Hey, New Life Church, good morning. So glad you're here with us today. We're about to start a brand new series called The Wisdom Books. We're gonna start off with Marcus Brown here today. It's gonna be a, an awesome Sunday. As we get started, do me a favor, in the chat right now, go ahead and write down the best piece of wisdom that somebody ever told you that you ever heard before. Maybe it was a quote, maybe it was a scripture. What's that piece of wisdom uh, that you hold tight in your heart. We want to know what it is because it's going to be a good day. We're going to hear a lot about wisdom from Pastor Marcus Brown. But first, before we dig into the word today, we're about to go into a time of worship. I want to read you guys a scripture found in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3 says, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, basically what's happening here is the angels are singing this about our God. And right now, as we sing, angels in heaven, they're singing as well. And whenever we think worship is awesome, I'm just telling you, worship is going to be awesome in heaven. So as we sing today, let's just focus in on how awesome our God is, how great he is. He is the king above every other king. He is the name above every other name, Jesus. Let's sing that name here today. Come on. Is defeated. 
Oh, church, he's alive, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, sing a little louder. morning, New Life Church, and welcome to week one of a series that we've entitled The Wisdom Books. If you have a Bible close by or maybe you have the Bible on a device, go to Proverbs chapter one. I'm going to make this guarantee to you today. If you stay and listen to the entire message, you'll never see this chapter in Proverbs the same way again. There is just so much revelation I think God is going to give our church and give us today. Um, one time, God went to Solomon and said, ask me anything you want and I'll answer it. And I immediately put myself in his shoes. Like if God came to you and said, 
I'm gonna answer the next prayer that you pray. Whatever you pray, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer it. What would you ask for? I mean, some people would ask for like, can I, can I win the lottery? Uh, some people would say, you know, I, I'd like to be the boss at my workplace, or maybe you would want the Razorbacks to win a championship in your lifetime. I don't know what it'd be, you know, maybe, maybe you wanna find the perfect spouse, I don't know. But Solomon had this uh, question, and he answered it this way. He said, God, would you give me a heart of wisdom? Because I'm young, I'm not so smart, I'm not so sharp, and now I'm trying to lead these people. Would you just give me wisdom and understanding so I can lead people and help people? And God said this, because you asked rightly, because you asked for wisdom, I'm gonna give you everything else that you didn't ask for. And it's literally because he had wisdom and God made him the wisest man that ever lived. Because he had wisdom, everything that we want came with that, like success and relational success and success in business. He had right discernment and, and just, he had a right perspective in life. And then he began to write about it. And when Solomon writes some of the, our, most of our wisdom literature, he's writing to one of his sons. He's literally got him in his mind and he's like, I hope he gets this because success or failure in life is not by chance. It's by either being uh, wise or being a fool because sooner or later in life, listen to me, your life is going to be the sum total of the decisions you make. And so if your life ends up in a gutter, it's because you, you made decisions. You literally decided through time to be in a gutter. Your decisions either put you there or it puts you in the right place. So Solomon takes his pen and begins to write to his son because he wants him to walk uprightly in the earth. And so what he did throughout his life was collect a lot of phrases. And he goes, if you put these in the practice, the right things are going to come forward in your life. And this is what he said about wisdom. He said, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. <laughs> that is strong. Whatever else you get, get wisdom. What does he mean? You need to go after it. He says, love wisdom and she will make you great. So in the book of Proverbs, every time he, he talks about wisdom, he talks about her in a female sense. And so that really upset me right off the bat. So like when he thinks about wisdom, he's like, he refers to it as a female every time. I don't know why. So Solomon is writing to his son. He's sharing him all the wisdom he can. And I'm going to give you a biblical definition of what wisdom is. So if you've got a pen and paper, you can write this down. Biblical wisdom is a God-graced ability to make the Bible functional. Biblical wisdom is to be able to get knowledge out of the Bible and then get it into your hands and feet. Wisdom isn't what you know. Wisdom is what you do. So this is what the wisdom is. Wisdom is you being able to discern this is of God, this is not of God. You're, it's discernment. Like, I can see what God wants me to do, and I do it. And I'm going to tell you, it is so important that we get this today, right now, in the times we're living in. Let me ask you a question. What do you think that Satan is up to right now? Like when you think, how is Satan trying to deceive people right now in the world that we're living in? We go from like, just over the last three years, let's go 2019, 2020, and today. How is he acting? I'm going to tell you what he's doing. He is masquerading as an angel of light. 
what, is, what does that mean? Is that Satan is going to try to look as close to Jesus as he possibly can. And he's doing this right now. And he wants to sound as close to Jesus as he can possibly sound. But what he's going to end up doing is giving you a little bit of truth and a lot of rat poison to go with it. And he's doing this through singers, through musicians. He's doing it through Hollywood. He's doing it through athletes. And this is what you'll, you'll see this on Facebook. You'll see this on TikTok. Somebody will give you a little bit of truth. And then surrounding that truth, there's rat poison that will destroy your soul. I was, I was talking to our staff the other day about a popular phrase that's, that's out there. It's, it's everywhere right now. And it's three statements, and it sounds affectionate. Because say, this is what Satan's not doing. He's not sounding mean, and he's not sounding like the devil. He's sounding as loving as you would possibly think Jesus would sound when he was on the earth. So I said, here's three statements. And I said, this one is humanism. This one is the gospel. This one is humanism. And I said, do you, do you see? And you've got to be able to discern that if something is two-thirds humanism, one-third the gospel, it's no gospel at all. Well, wisdom is being able to look at the world and say, this is from God, this is not from God. And you've got, to, you've got to get into the Bible and understand what God sees and what God says and apply it to your life. Otherwise, this is what you're going to do. A wise person can discern and apply the Bible. This is what a fool does. A fool just does what feels right. This is what a fool does. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it ends in death. There's a way it seems right. It just feels right. I was talking to someone about a decision they were making. I said, how'd you make that decision? He said, it just felt natural. That's a natural. He's like, I just do what is just my natural instincts. And that sounds so good. Like, what was in my gut? It's just so natural. Well, let me tell you all the things that are natural. Arsenic is natural. Botulism is natural. Snake venom is natural. You know, anthrax is natural. You can do things that feel natural and it ends up destroying your life. It's like, there is a way that seems right, but in the end, it ends in death. And so we have a lot of phrases that sound truthful, but they're not. They're like, you know, here's one phrase. Uh, just follow your heart. Well, if I followed my heart, I'd eat chocolate cake every night before I went to bed. Don't follow your heart. Follow the Word of God. Follow the wisdom that's in the Word of God. And right there in your notes, write, Amen. Otherwise, you're going to end up in a place you never thought you were going to end up in. When I first moved to Fort Smith, I was playing softball one night. And all of a sudden, the, uh, the tornado siren started sounding in town. And I'm not used to the tornadoes. I mean, I grew up in Louisiana. They were like once a decade. And so we left the, the softball field. I take off driving home. By the time I was getting on my street, it started hailing on us on my, in my car. So Brooke and I, when we moved to Fort Smith, we had just gotten into townhouses, and we lived on a street with townhouses that looked exactly the same. So it's hailing uh, on my car. I'm driving. The sirens are going off. Somebody called me on my cell phone, needing prayer, prayed for, need pastoring. And I'm trying to pray for them. My heart's beating out of my chest. And, and you can see I pulled into the wrong townhouse. And so I thought it was mine. And I pulled up. I, I got out. I'm getting held on my head. I went to the side door and I banged on the door. Doo, doo, doo. And I thought it was my wife in there. And she answered. She said, who is it? And I said, it's your big sexy man. <laughs> and she goes, who? And I said, girl, it's your big sexy man. And she said, who is it? And then I got upset. And I said, girl, open the door. 
And for some reason, this lady opened the door and, I, and I'm out here getting held on. I'm disoriented. And I'm like, who are you? And she's like, who are you? And I walked past her and went into her house. And I was so out of it. I looked around. I was like, where's my family? And she was like, what? And I said, what did you do with my furniture? And she looked at me and she went, you are not in the right house. And I was like, oh, we moved two weeks later and she helped us. And, uh, you know, but I'm going to tell you this, when you don't apply wisdom in your life, you'll end up at the wrong address, the wrong spot in life. And you go, I didn't mean to end up here. And I don't think I'm experiencing the best that God has for me. How do I get that? Then this is what you do. If you feel like you're in the wrong spot right now with your life, this is what you do. You get back to wisdom and you say, I am going to, I'm going to lock into some of the things that Solomon said. Okay. Proverbs chapter one. You ready? Look at your Bible. I'm going to read, we're going to read all through this and I'm going to show you this. Okay. If you're taking notes, you can write down, you can draw three circles right now because Solomon is teaching us in the first chapter that there are three spheres where people have to get wisdom. So this is how he sets it up. He said, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And this is the purpose of Proverbs. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior. It's just teaching you how to live, how to behave. For doing what is right and just and fair, Verse four, for giving prudence to those who are simple. It's helping people that grew up with a public education, okay? He says, for knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Like if you're already smart, get smarter. And then he says, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the, saying, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Now watch this, verse seven, we're gonna come back to this at the very end. He says, the fear of the Lord underline that in your Bible. He said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Where does wisdom start? It starts on your knees before a holy God. He said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, watch fools, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So he said, here's the whole thing. This is where it begins. And he said, I'm going to teach you the sphere. Here's the sphere number one, where people get wisdom. Write this down. It's in the home. So when he begins to talk to his son about getting why, I don't want you to be a fool. I want your life to be good. This is the first thing he says. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. This is, this is what he is saying, that there is a role of mom and dad and there's a role of the kids. And the role of mom and dad is to instruct and teach and raise up and never stop it. Here's the role of the kid is to listen and absorb and listen and absorb and obey. And he says, if you do this, it's going to stay like a guiding principle in your life. It's going to teach you how to make good decisions. So for all you young parents out here, I don't know when this age hits, but there's going to be a window of you having your kids where you will be the primary influencer in their life. For some of you, it's going to be like, man, I'm the primary influencer until they were 10. 
Some of you can stretch that to 11 or 12, but let me tell you this, that window will close and you are going to go from being the hero to the zero. So all of a sudden that influence is going to go off a cliff. Okay. You can't control this. All right. But while you are the primary influencer, okay. For those years. And then there'll be another season where they come back home because they need money and you'll be an influencer again. All right. But while you're the influencer, it's your job to give wisdom over and over and over. It's that sphere that God has called you to have in life. And so this is what you do. You look at your home and you say, you know what? It is up to me to begin to instruct my kids on everything that I know in life and everything I'm learning from God. How do I work? How do I give? How do I serve? What are our values? What are our morals? What does Jesus say about our faith? I don't want them to learn this from a youth pastor or a kid pastor. Listen to me, that's supplemental. Under this primary sphere of influence, this is what God has called you to do. You instruct. What does he call kids to do? You absorb and you listen. Listen, your, your kids right now are in training. And I look around, I see kids getting trained in a lot of things. They're getting trained in sports. I see kids out working out seven in the morning. They're getting their bodies in shape. I'm not against any of that. There's kids that are doing dance, kids that are playing baseball, all that kind of stuff. And they're training. But the most important training going on in your home is wisdom training right now. It's in that sphere. Now, this right here is my dad's Bible. I mean, look how beat up this thing is. I mean, he wore this out. We like um, tried to get him other Bibles to preach out of. He preached out of this for 36 years. But he knew this Bible so well that he could just turn and be right where he wanted to be. Like he knew the feel of it, everything. And, and I went through this Bible. I have it. I keep it at my house. I mean, it's just so old. But in this Bible, he's written like prayers out for me and my two sisters, Tracy and Marcy, and things that he believes in us. I mean, like this stuff is so precious. And he would take the word, write it out over here, and then he would, and then he would just pray it out loud over, over his family. And I'm going to tell you, he led the home out of this very Bible. He led around the table. He led in the pulpit. He led with his lifestyle. And the things that he learned from God, he passed down to us. And I'm telling this is one of the most precious things that I have. Like, you know, if you, you think I'd sell this for $100, I would not, never sell it. You know, would I sell it for $1,000? No, it's too valuable. Would I sell it for $100,000? Absolutely. I'm not an idiot. But, but God used him to take the word and impart it to his children. And to this day, we are living off the wisdom that he's given us and we're giving it away to our family and, and our kids and our spouses that, that we're living with. Okay, this is, what you, this is your calling in life. Here's the second fear. First fear is the home. The second sphere is this, it's your friends. Your kids are going to grow up and they're gonna make friends. So here's the first circle. Home's over here, and you're the primary influencer. But the older you get, all of a sudden, you, the influencers in their life over in this sphere are not going to be you. They're going to be some rud rat little kiddo that close to your daughter, close to your son, and they're going to start influencing what they like. And Solomon knew this. That's why he kept going. Now you get to see a peak in this, starting in verse 10. He said, my son, he's like pounding the table. He said, if sinful men entice you, 
Do not give in to them. This is the first thing that he's trying to tell him to do. You've got to choose your friends wisely. Don't just go along with the crowd. Uh, don't just have friends uh, by accident. Some people have friends because they are just around them. Uh, they have friends out of convenience. He said, don't just go with the crowd. Verse 15, I like this. He says, my son, he talks about all the friends and the, all the bad things he's doing. He says, my son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths for their feet. Their feet rush to evil. So he, Solomon knew this. At some point, someone else is going to influence you. So in this sphere of the home, I'm going to train you for this sphere out here. Because I can tell you this. You think about the worst trouble you got in in high school. Think about that. Think about it in your mind. Ninth grade, tenth grade, whatever it is. All right, thinking about it, who was with you when you did that? You can tag them right now <laughs> online if you want to. Because there's always going to be somebody with you. And the thing that he, he knew is that fools love companions. Nobody wants to be a fool by themselves. They're always looking out for other fools. This is why the Bible says the wise walk with the wise. But Paul, he said it this way. He said bad company corrupts good behavior. And this is what I know about my life. This is true about your life. This is going to be true about both of our families. Is that we are really the sum total of five our five closest friends. Whoever is close to you is already influencing you. So we got to the end of a service the other day, and this lady came up to the altar, and she was praying. She's a sweet lady. And she was praying about her son's graduating. He's moving on, super smart guy. And he said, would you pray about my son's future? I said, absolutely. And so we bowed, we prayed, and all I prayed for was his friends. I said, God, would you give him godly friends? I pray that you'll surround him with people that love God hate the things of this world, want to serve God, that their hearts are sensitive to you. Would you give him good friends, friends with a positive influence that is just lifting him up. I pray that you put encouragers around him. So we got, we got done with the prayer and she said, that is great prayer. He said, she said, but now would you pray for his future? And I said, I just did. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Because our friends, the people that are close to us, they determine the quality and the direction of our life. So uh, while you're in the home, you're, you are sitting here and you're going, okay, I'm going to train you in how to choose good friends. Then our you, your kids are going to start making friends. That's going to be like trial and error. It's not going to destroy their life because they're still under your covering. There might be some pain there. There might be some regret there, but they're going, but they're, they're starting to make their way in life. They're going to make a, a bad friend and, and realize that was a bad friend. That was a, that was a bad influence on my life. But, but then they move to the third phase. And I'm going to tell you this, this one is the one that intimidates me as a dad. This is the one I'm scared of because I got a 17-year-old turning 18. I got kids that are just flying into this. Okay, sphere number one, the home. Sphere number two is friends. Here's sphere number three is the world. It's right here. Now, let me just stop you and tell you this. Most parents get so scared about bad influences from friends that they just hover over their kids. Not most parents. Some parents do this. They'll hover over their kids, never let them experience life, and they want to move them from sphere of home to the world. If you do that, there's going to be a decade of pain. You've got to let them progress just like Solomon is saying. And so this is what he said. We'll start in verse 20. He says, Out in the open, wisdom calls. 
was he saying? Out in the world, there's two voices that are shouting. And wisdom is crying out, and also foolishness is crying out. You got wisdom, the things of God are crying out, and then you got Taylor Swift and LeBron and Oprah and everything else out there is crying out, okay? And once they move into the world, you got skin in the game. You're the primary covering, all right? You're going to cover your kids, all right? Then they have friends. They're still in your house. Whew. All right, there's going to be some pain. But, but now once you're in the world, once you're out there on the own, listen to me, especially all you young people, listen to me. Once you're here, they're sowing and reaping. In the world, they're sowing and reaping. This, this is what the Bible says in verse 31. This is why it scares me. It says, they will eat the fruit of their ways. Sooner or later, all right, if you're 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, maybe 20 years old, you're not eating the fruit of your ways yet. Uh, you're not reaping everything you sow. Uh, you can be an idiot and your parents can cover you, all right? If you slept past 930 three days this week, all right, you're not sowing and reaping yet. But when you're 28 years old and you sleep past 930, you're going to end up being po, not poor, po. You're going to reap those actions, right? And so when you get out in the world, you're either going to be equipped, right, to, to walk in wisdom, or you're going to learn through pain. Out there in the world, you're going to learn. You're going to go, man, I messed up. I failed. That hurts so bad. I've got to change. So if you say, okay, here's these spheres. What do I do to get back to wisdom? This is what you do. You go back to verse 7. The fear of the Lord is is the beginning of wisdom. That's it. It's the beginning of knowledge and understanding. As a matter of fact, when Solomon wrote that, it's, he wrote it because he heard his dad saying it over and over. You go to Psalm 111, here's David. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge and understanding. So let's diffuse that term, fear of the Lord, and I'm going to pray for you. The fear of the Lord doesn't mean that you're scared of God. Like, I mean, he's going to get me one day, and he's up in heaven, he's got a baseball bat, he's looking down, he's angry with me. That's not what it means to be the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, and this is, write this down if you're, if you're taking notes. It means to be in awe of. Awe just means that, man, God's not just, he's not cool, he's kind of cute. No, you're, I'm in awe of God. It means to have chief admiration of. The one I admire most in this world is God. It means to be totally submitted to. I'm all of you. I admire you. I am totally submitted to you. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And when you get in that place in your mind and your heart that you walk in the fear of the Lord, all of a sudden you have a teachable spirit and wisdom begins to come to you. It will chase you down. Here's what happens. Wisdom cries aloud in the, in the streets. This is what Proverbs 1 says, okay? But it takes a heart that fears the Lord to tune in to the cries of wisdom. Wisdom is not shut up. It's always speaking. It's people that fear the Lord that, get, that, that receive it, okay? This is my best illustration for this. <clears throat> I've been to a lot of places been able to travel. I mean, I've been to Niagara Falls. It was like, whew. I went to, I've been out to the Redwood Forest in Northern California. It was amazing. One time we were at, standing at a lake on the Canadian border, watching the sun come up over the Canadian Rockies down on this lake. And it was like, whew. it was such a special moment that people began to stop talking. 
the hippies took their sandals off and were barefooted. It was just like. But there's nothing really like standing at the Grand Canyon because the Grand Canyon causes you to have awe, respect, admiration. Like, oh my goodness. Like people fall into the Grand Canyon every year. And nobody's like, man, the Grand Canyon's getting mean. It's just starting to kill more and more people. That's not what it means. People blame God for that. Like, oh man, why'd this happen? All right? Because when you have awe and you have respect and you have submission, you don't fall into the fear of the Lord. You're submitted to the fear of the Lord and wisdom comes. And this is our prayer throughout this entire series for you, that every time that we teach from the wisdom literature, you're like, I'm in awe of God. I'm in awe of His wisdom. I admire it. I think it's the most beautiful thing. And now I'm submitted to it. When you have a submitted heart to His word, you're gonna receive it and put it into practice. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's forever been settled in heaven. Let it get forever settled in our hearts, God. I pray that your word will be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And Jesus, let the word be wisdom to us as we're not just hearers of it, but we're doers of it. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great day. God bless.
Great, New Life. Thank you again for being with us today, worshiping with us and listening to that word. Look, if you made a decision today to follow Christ or maybe you want to know what your next step is here at New Life, you can just text the word CONNECT to 88000 and we'll, we'll gladly reach out to you and help you with what your next steps look like. Uh, but before we end service here today, uh, we always take time to honor God with our giving. And so I want to read you guys a scripture found in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 26. It says, all day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Uh, just recently, I was mowing the grass outside during the middle of the day. And you know what I was craving? to go inside. It was so hot. And as I was about to finish up mowing my lawn, I saw my neighbors right across the street. Their grass was high. It looked like a jungle. And the Holy Spirit was whispering to me, you need to go mow their grass. And I was like, God, that cannot be you. But just because I was being nice that day, I did it. And even though I was so miserable when I was mowing my lawn, I was so happy when I was mowing theirs. It's almost like God has hardwired us to give. You know, every single day we're either spending or we're receiving. But when we go into a life where we're just giving and giving and giving, that's when life gets fun, right? So here's a few ways to give. Thank you again so much for giving. Well, hey, every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., we send out devos to a lot of members here at New Life Church. And we're about to go into the book of Proverbs as we're talking about wisdom in this series. And if you wanna get signed up for that and get fresh word from God, a fresh word from God every single morning, starting your day off right, the number below to sign up for that is right here. Uh, just text the word Devo to this number. And again, you'll be able to fill out a link and get those Devos sent to you each morning. It's gonna be really cool as we grow together through this series. But hey, before we end out service, I just wanna pray over you. And we're also gonna lift up another church as well. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, again, we're just so thankful for the time that we get, Lord, to honor you, to worship your name. Lord, thank you for this word today as you're pouring into our lives, teaching us wisdom. Thank you for Marcus's word, God. I pray that you would show us how to apply that this week, God. I pray that you would keep us safe. God, you would keep us away from temptation. And Lord, you would keep us focused on heaven. Keep us focused on eternity and on your name as well, God. We thank you for Chenal Valley Baptist Church. Lord, we love to lift up other churches in our community. Lord, I thank you for their fellowship lunches that they're doing after church. I pray that new members, Lord, would get plugged in and that God, members who are already there would be able to see, God, what their next step is, how to serve, um, how to spread the vision there, how to spread the gospel there as well, Lord. We love you so much. Again, be with us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, New Life, again, thank you for being with us today. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.